In the last chapter of Lilac Wine, the podcast, the festivities in the town square for the 4th of July had begun. Brad Abel, a former resident of Lily Springs, came, sang a song, and tried to get the crowd to buy Liberty Bonds. And then the fireworks display brought Robert vivid images of the war, something that had never happened before. If you haven't listened to the last chapter or the preceding chapters, please do so. I am releasing this novel in progress one chapter at a time, and I don't want you to miss anything. It was the summer of 1917. As America prepares to shed her blood on a distant shore, two lonely people are brought together by fate, torn apart by war, consecrated by wine, lilac wine. This is Lilac Wine, the podcast. Each episode features a chapter from the novel, a rough draft, if you will, read by the author Bruce Janney. New chapters will be written throughout the life of this podcast until the novel is complete. Join the discussion, make suggestions at lilacwinenovel.com. Stay tuned after the reading for further information about the chapter you just heard. And now, Lilac Wine. Chapter 21 Robert stood, his entire head pounding. Excuse me, he said to no one in particular. Abelia attempted to say something as he rushed past her, but Robert couldn't hear a thing but the echoes of war. Pushing his way through the crowd, he staggered to the other end of the triangle and rested against the handle of the old water pump. Its red paint faded and flaking. Glory, Tom's horse, was tethered to the trough below the pump. She looked at him with sympathetic eyes and gently nudged his arm with her muzzle. Robert pumped the handle a few times until cool water gushed from the faucet. Falling to his knees, he splashed some on his face, attempting to cleanse his mind of the images. That was a first for him. Never before had he experienced one of his dreams while in a waking state. Having dreams at night was one thing, but the onslaught he felt a few minutes ago was something else entirely. With each splash of cool water, the ringing in his ears subsided. The throbbing began to fade. He looked up to Glory. What was that about? he asked out loud. The horse responded with a snort, and Robert could see his reflection in her large brown eye. Suddenly, she jerked her head up in the direction of a soft voice. Are you okay, Robert? asked Abelia. Robert stood, wiping his face with his hands. Yeah, he replied, just sharing a drink here with glory. Are you sure? Is there something? I'm okay. Just felt sick there for a moment. Must have been the cherry ice I had earlier. If it's your stomach, I could give you something for that. Robert managed a laugh, forgetting for the moment the German soldier, the blood, and the chaos. What's so funny? she asked. Nothing. I was just thinking how you could open your own pharmacy and really give Ellie a run for her money. Abelia furrowed her brow with genuine concern. Are you sure? 
You didn't look well there a moment ago. I'm okay, Abelia, Robert replied. Thank you. He wanted more than anything to tell her about the soldier, to tell her about his dreams. He had never truly told anyone about his dreams before. It was something he has kept to himself for all his life. His mother knew, of course, but she never fully grasped the prophetic nature of the dreams. Robert was just prone to nightmares, she thought. There were countless nights as a child when she would crawl into his bed after a particularly vivid dream and cradle him until morning. Never in his life did he feel more secure than in those moments. In fact, on more than one occasion did he pretend to have a nightmare to merely feel her touch. She always had that ability to make him feel safe and protected. Abelia took a step forward, and Robert was immediately struck by the way the setting sun illuminated her white dress, the light accentuating her form underneath and reflecting in her eyes. It was much like the first time he had seen her in the garden, and in that instant, everything he felt mere moments ago, the pain throbbing and ringing, vanished as she placed the back of her hand gently against his forehead, her fingers brushing aside his hair and lingering for a moment longer than was necessary to gauge a temperature. "'You're still a little clammy,' she stated. "'Are you sure you're okay?' Robert mumbled an affirmation and turned his head toward the crowd at the other end of the triangle. People were milling about the smoke pit as several kids with color-smeared lips dodged the grown-ups as they chased each other around the chairs and benches, their laughter lilting above the muffled din of conversation. Robert could see Billy talking with Brad Abel near the truck, running his hands over the canvas and occasionally kicking the tires. It's kind of strange that a war is going on, thousands of people dying daily. And we're having a picnic, he stated. Perhaps people will feel differently when the bodies start returning home. Maybe. Billy climbed into the cab of the truck and soon the sputtering and whining of the engine broke the air. Brad made some adjustments under the hood and hopped into the passenger side. The vehicle was then put into gear with a loud screech and lurched forward, its sounds drawing the kids to the road to watch the drab behemoth make its way around the triangle. Billy waved from the cab, a huge grin on his face visible from a distance. Do you know anyone going over? asked Abelia. Robert shook his head, thinking for a moment about those who plague his dreams. He knew some of their names, and they seemed real enough to him, although they had never met in person. How about you? Not yet, she replied, eyeing Billy behind the steering wheel that almost seemed too large for his hands. The children chased the truck down the street, laughing in the billows of dust kicked up by the large tires. Glory snorted in disapproval and stomped her hooves into the damp earth as the truck made its way toward Robert and Abelia. Two American flags flapped in the breeze on the front hood as Billy called out through the open windscreen, but his voice was no match for the loud engine. Robert managed a wave and the truck slowed to a stop, its engine reduced to an idle, yet casting a heat that Abelia and Robert could feel on their skin. "'Isn't she great?' yelled Billy." I've never driven anything this big before. Bradley laughed. Just think, soon we'll be sending thousands of these vehicles over to France. He turned toward Robert. You want to take her for a spin? Robert shook his head. 
Not today, he replied. Suit yourself. We'll be needing many young men like you and Billy to drive these vehicles and bring an end to the war over there. Getting no response from Robert, Bradley added, Just something to think about, my friend. Billy then adjusted the choke throttle, bringing the engine back to life. The children cheered as the vehicle jerked a few times before moving forward again. Bradley raised a hand in goodbye as Billy yelled something about going fishing. Robert merely nodded as the truck turned the corner, followed in turn by the small group of children bobbing in the wake of the dust left behind. Robert and Abelia watched the truck make its way back to the other end of the triangle. Glory snorted and managed to shake loose some of the dust from her hide, clearly pleased that the truck was no longer in her immediate vicinity. Art thinks I should enlist, Robert said. We argued about it this morning. Abelia didn't say anything. She merely moved a little closer, her arm brushing against his. And my uncle thinks so, too. We had a little disagreement on that issue before I left Chicago. I don't think you should do anything you don't want to, especially in regard to the war. I don't know. My uncle seems to think I'll be drafted one of these days. He thought again of the German soldier pleading for his life. He was an older man, that was for sure. But the Americans, in his dream, weren't. They were not much older than Robert himself. The war seems so pointless. I don't know what I would do if I got drafted. Abelia hooked her arm around his. All I know is that I've had enough festivities for today. How about walking me home? The sounds of the picnic diminished as they turned down River Road. The houses on the street stood quiet and empty, their occupants enjoying a picnic that Robert and Abelia were more than happy to leave. They walked mostly in silence, but the stillness between them was not uncomfortable. Just the opposite, really. Robert realized that it was only at moments like this when he did not feel the eyes of judgment on him, the feeling of being an outsider. Abelia was the only person in Lily Springs who made him feel that way. The spirit of welcome that existed when he arrived was now noticeably colder. What keeps you here, Abelia? What do you mean? This town, these people. I've only been here a few weeks, and I don't know how you do it. Abelia unhooked her arm as they stopped in front of her house. It's my home. But you're not like the others, he stated, and, catching her quizzical expression, added quickly, I mean that in a good way. Abelia laughed. Thank you. I think, Robert tried to explain. I mean, it's like everyone here knows your business. They watch when, he struggled to think of his name, he, Brad, asked me about enlisting. I could feel everyone's eyes on me. I could feel their judgment. I think that's mostly in your head. That's the difference between here and Chicago. People don't care about what you do or where I come from. I've lived here for over 20 years, Robert. I like it, mostly because I get to keep to myself, quite frankly, due to things I want. People don't bother me. I've learned not to care what people think. No matter what you do, people will always judge. That's the way it is everywhere, I imagine. You don't judge. I don't know about that. We all do in one way or another. Robert looked down to the road and crushed some gravel under his sole. I guess I just like the anonymity of a big city, 
Abelia smiled and turned up the walkway. Anonymity has its perks, I guess. But it's hard to make friends being anonymous. Robert watched as Abelia climbed the steps to her porch and was struck with a realization that at this moment in his life, he had only one friend. And she was a virtual stranger he had only known for a few short weeks. It was painfully clear. He had acquaintances, not friends. Even Billy, the only other person who he had spent some time with in Lily Springs, was basically an acquaintance, someone to pass the time with. Same with the few regulars at Conrad's back in Chicago. He shoved his hands into his pockets and glanced down to the ground once again, a feeling of melancholy tightening around his core. He didn't know where this was coming from. Must be the dreams and the arguments with art, he thought. The dreams of late only heightened the feeling of isolation that had been building up since Bishop Pianos closed its doors. The more vivid the dreams became, the more disconnected he felt. But it was more than just the dreams, though. Robert realized that he truly belonged nowhere. Certainly not in Lily Springs. Chicago offered little anymore. Although he longed for a stroll down South State Street, among the arcades and theaters, a red-hot in hand. What he would have been doing right now if he were still in the city. Probably sitting in a dark movie theater. Alone. Abelia stopped at the top of her porch and turned toward Robert. Robert, are you sure you're okay? Yeah, he stated. Just a little homesick, that's all. It's been a long day. Perhaps a little rest will help. Robert nodded. You're probably right. Good night, then. Good night, Robert. As he turned to leave, Abelia stopped him. Robert, she said. Thank you for suggesting I attend the picnic. I enjoyed your company. And with that, she turned and disappeared into the darkness of her house. So the last three chapters involve the picnic at the Town Triangle in Lily Springs. It is at this point in the novel where the war is becoming more and more of a reality. And at the same time, Robert's visions, his dreams are becoming more and more real. And having a dream in a waking state was not something that he uh, had ever experienced before. So we are, uh, that was chapter 21. We just have a few more chapters. We are on, I'm looking at the pages now. Uh, we ended chapter 21 on page 184. We have probably about 60, I think, more pages to go, a few more chapters. And uh, we're done with what I have already written what I've written actually over you know, the last 18, 15 to 18 years. And it'll be time to start 
writing chapters. And I don't know how I'm going to do that, writing a chapter a week. I've got a lot on my plate. I am a teacher, of course, and so I have the summer off. But I'm also working on another project. I was in um, Pennsylvania a couple weeks back filming a concert, and I am currently also working on a documentary. So I'm thinking we may go on a short hiatus after uh, I am done reading these chapters. I think I go to chapter 26. So I think I've got about four more chapters to go. Um, and we'll go on a brief hiatus as I uh, regather my thoughts and begin writing this again and go through the process. Um, in the last chapter, I had Bradley Abel singing uh, a song, uh, a song called Over There. And I had talked about how that's a slight anachronism. Although the song was written, it wasn't performed publicly until October or December of 1917. I don't remember what. And so I, um, I put the word out, is that okay? In an historic novel to have a character doing something that that character couldn't have physically done at that time. And overwhelmingly, the responses that I got were that it is, it's okay for the story. That small little details like that are not in an historical novel um, blasphemy. You know, so maybe I'll keep it in. I am not quite sure. I posted something on Instagram that went to Facebook and I posted a Nora Bales version of the song that was recorded. It's the first recorded version. It was recorded in July of 1917 and released that October. So it's over 100 years old and uh, apparently Sony owns the song and uh, which it should be in the public domain, really. But uh, I was reading, and it looks like Sony does that a lot. And these, these management companies, uh, they claim copyright ownership on things that they really don't. And so it was muted. Uh, my little video was muted on uh, Facebook, and I was kind of pissed off about that. But, hey, what are you going to do? I mean, the song is 102 years old, and it's an important part of history, and I think it's something that, you know, a reader would be most familiar with. So I, I am now leaning towards keeping it in. So let me know what you think and let me know how you like this chapter. This chapter was, a, you know, a little short, but we're beginning to see the development of this relationship between Abelia and Robert. And where is it going to go? Stay tuned. Next week on the podcast, we are going to the Mississippi River. Robert and Billy are going to go jugging for catfish. And Billy's going to make some observations to him about his relationship with Abelia Brody. So that is next week. You can go to lilacwinenovel.com. And you can fill out a form if you have any questions or you have any comments Please let me know what you think about the podcast. You could even just go to email at comments at lilacwinenovel.com. Thanks for listening. I am Bruce Janu. 
We'll see you next week. This podcast is produced by Bell Book and Camera Productions. Visit bellbookcamera.com for more information. Lilac Wine is written and produced by me, Bruce David Janu. All content is copyrighted and cannot be used without expressed written permission. If you are liking Lilac Wine, the podcast, please take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes. That will help us gain more listeners. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. The intro voiceover was provided by my colleague and friend, Rachel Vissing. All music and sound effects are licensed through audioblocks.com. Please visit lilacwinenovel.com to join the discussion. Ask me questions, make comments. The purpose of Lilac Wine, the podcast, is to discuss the creative process. Your comments and suggestions are greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening. Thank you.